Welcome back to Lane Fans. This is JP Gooderham, managing editor of FearTheWave.com and always on Twitter at FearTheWaveBlog. We made it here to episode four of Fear the Wavecast. I appreciate all of you listening, all the good feedback we've received, but we're going to be breaking down the Navy game today. I think this is going to be one of my favorite episodes of the season because we're going to be talking to the Navy bird dog himself, Michael James, who now has a rival site uh, for Navy. He's really the authority, I think, when it comes to Navy football. He's got some great insight for us. But of course, there's a lot of excitement right now for Tulane fans. We had a great game on Saturday with the Green Wave rolling the Southern Jaguars 66-21. It wasn't just about beating an FCS team and getting the first win of the Willie Fritz era ever and also the first win in Yulman. It was about the pace of the game. It was about the way the offense looked and delivered. It was the special teams generating points instead of costing points. It was the defense executing and Perry Nickerson having a 96-yard return pick six. I mean, there's just a lot of things to be excited about. And I think as Tulane fans right now, we're looking ahead to this game on Saturday against Navy when the midshipmen are coming to play under the lights of Yulman, and it's going to tell us a lot about this team. We know Navy is a quality program. They're the number three team in our AEC blogger media pool power rankings. Make sure you're checking those out on Saturdays if you haven't yet. Uh, But everyone agrees this is a strong team. They consistently show discipline. They execute. They deliver well. And I think this is going to be a great test to see where this two-lane team is and how much they've developed from week one to week two to week three. We also have a variable in that Jonathan Brantley, the true freshman quarterback, is going to be taking the snaps under center this weekend. Uh, Huge development. You know, we had in our first Fear of the Wavecast, Will Guillory from uh, NOLA.com, and he was pretty consistent in saying that he felt like Brantley was going to contend for this job. He was right. And he's a dynamic playmaker on his first play ever as a college quarterback. He set the record for uh, longest run by a two-lane QB, we believe. Uh, So a lot of things to be positive about there. But let's get into it. Today we're going to be bringing on Michael to talk about Navy. We're going to preview what they're bringing to the table, what we can expect in comparing their option offense to our option offense, and what it's going to take for both of these teams to win come Saturday. Stay angry, my friends. Let's go over to our interview. All right, and we are finally back. Today we have a very special guest for this Try and Trophy edition of Fear the Wavecast. We're on the line right now with Michael James, who you can find and have probably seen as Navy Bird Dog on Twitter. He is, in my opinion, the authoritative source for all things Navy football. He actually recently has opened his new site with the Rivals Network, uh, which you can find at navy.rivals.com, and I strongly encourage you to do so. Michael, welcome to Fear the Wavecast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm awesome. And and I said this before on Twitter when uh, when we were talking about doing this podcast. I'm a longtime reader of your blog. I think you do some of the best X's and O's stuff, uh, and it feels very relevant to us right now as Tulane, of course, has now transitioned into being an option-focused team. Uh, But i got to get something off my chest. I have to say that I've been a little bit disappointed in some of the coverage and preparation for this, you know, beloved Tri-Trophy game, uh, because a lot of the analysis has really summarized this as being a triple option versus triple option game, uh, which is not the truth. I mean, it's really two very interesting approaches to the option that I think have pretty key stylistic differences. So I want to hear from your mouth. How would you, from the tape that you've seen on Tulane, and I know it's early, and comparing it to Navy, how would you break down how these offenses are structured and how they work and how they're a little bit different? Um, The basis of the – so I've 
Nady's played uh, Willie Fritz before, so Nady played Willie Fritz when he was at Georgia Southern in, in 2014. And in that game, we, you really got a sense of the the way the his offense works. It's a lot more based on on zone blocking as opposed to the Navy offense, which has a lot of inside veer, a lot of midline, um, and it's a but it's a really effective scheme, and you can kind of tell. I mean, if you just think about it for a second, what a, what a zone block means, you know, what a zone running scheme means. So you have a running back that's aiming for a point. So he's he's aiming for, say, a, an offensive lineman's hip or something, and he's running to that point as they go as they're running down the line, and he's reading the defense. He has to be patient and read the defense, and wherever he sees the, makes the right read, he decides whether to go to the gap to the left of that target or to the right of that target. Now the defense, when he's looking. That when they're the defense trying to defend this, they don't know, you know, they don't know what gap that that this running back is aiming for. So in order to defend it, they have to make sure they're, they have gap discipline on you know across the board. So you add an option element to that, and all of a sudden that means now you have to cover the backside because if you leave that that backside defensive end unblocked, the quarterback can take it and pull the other way. That forces the defense to to spread out and cover the entire field. It also brings a secondary up because now you have more gaps than you have of people to cover them. So now the secondary is forced to come up and run support, and of course that opens the play action. And that's why you've seen Willie Fritz's offense been so successful everywhere he goes. Um, The other thing that he likes to do more than Navy is he likes to focus on tempo a little bit more. Um, he gets more plays into the game, um, and he throws the ball a little bit more. Um, running out of the shotgun, it kind of lends itself to that a little bit more. So it's it's a really great scheme. Different flavors, you know. The same concept is is you leave guys unblocked, and and you if they go one way, you go the other way. So every option offense kind of has that at its core, but the fundamentals um, differ are, are different in in really in how they they block these schemes. That's actually a great segue because I, I think one of the interesting storylines for Navy is, of course, uh, Tago Smith, the, the starting quarterback in waiting who is behind uh, Heisman contender Keenan Reynolds. I'm still sad to this day that he didn't get ha- uh, to have his helicopter entrance to the Heisman <laughs> ceremony. Uh, it's tough out here. But Navy, of course, had a, a real nail-biter of a game last week against UConn. Uh, ends up pulling it out at home uh, on kind of a spectacular goal line stand that made national news for Bob Diaco's interesting, uh, very interesting approach to clock management. But but what I was really interested in, how much do you feel like you learned about what the mids are going to look like under quarterback Will Worth from last week's game? Or do you think that's, that identity of the offense is still in progress? Well, what's funny about last week's game is that UConn actually borrowed very heavily from Tulane's game plan the uh, last year. If you looked at what Tulane did against Navy last year, they actually they were running a Tulane usually ran a four two five but they switched to an odd front in that game and ran more of a three four and they had two inside linebackers and what they did was they would send they would look for the direction of the play whoever the play side inside linebacker would charge the B gap to take the fullback on the triple option and then the backside inside linebacker would then hustle around the direction of the play to play the pitch. And the reason why that was so effective last year is because the way a triple option play is designed, no one on the play side is there to cover that that inside an inside linebacker that gets around. Now Tulane was fortunate enough to have, I mean, their de- defensive talent on Tulane has just has been for a few years has been really good. Now, um, 
UConn had some pretty good has some pretty good talent too, and so they borrowed a lot of that same that that same plan. And for a while, it looked like it looked like Navy actually did a pretty good job. I think Will Worth did a pretty good job. He made he missed some reads, um, but no one's going to be perfect. And Navy certainly played better offensively. They certainly ran the ball better last week than they did against Tulane last year with the same defensive game plan. So, um, you know, Will Worth's been in the the offense. He's a senior. Um, he's been in the offense for four years. The, the real reason why Taco Smith was ahead of him was more because Smith is a better athlete. He's just faster and he right. can, he's shiftier. Worth is more of a strong guy who can run between the tackles and run through arm tackles. So, so the the style is a little bit different. But I think the coaches have been very confident in Worth's ability to run the offense. Um, and and I haven't seen anything yet to 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 disagree with them. Well, it's, I'm really glad you made that point because that was another thing that watching the UConn game I felt like really jumped out was the approach was very similar to give Navy a different look. It was something the Navy coaching staff was extremely complimentary of, uh, of after last year's game. But looking at that Tulane 2015 game, uh, Navy's answer was to throw the ball. And Keenan Reynolds did a great job in that second half. And it went from being what felt like a very competitive game to Navy firmly being controlling offense because they, they really expanded the field and they were, they were, I mean, he was throwing strikes. So what I found weird about watching uh, Navy last week was it was kind of the opposite, right? Uh, Will Worth went six for eight throwing the ball with about 130 yards. He, he looked good doing it, but then it looked like they pulled off throwing the ball in the second half. How do you read that decision? What, why, why didn't they kind of find the same pressure point that they did against Tulane last year? Uh, Really, what happened was that UConn made a bit of an adjustment. So, if because their linebackers were doing so well covering the pitch, they were they, it allowed their secondary to back off. They didn't have to step up and run support because their linebackers were up playing playing the pitch so well. Um, so, where you had those open passes in the first half, they weren't really there as much in, in the second half. Um, Navy tried. You know they went. They opened on on first down. Um, tried tried some first down passes a couple times, but they had, uh, Will Worth got sacked, or he had to scramble, or um, couldn't make the play. So the pass attempts weren't there. But the the thought was to try to you know try if you're having trouble running the triple option, then it helps to be able to connect on a big play to kind of you know keeps you from fewer chances to make a mistake if you have a, a shorter drive. So they tried to do it, but. Um, the plays just weren't there in the second half because the secondary was was, uh, was backing off in pass coverage. So let's let's zone in for a second on on Will Worth. He just made his first start in 2016. Uh, it's been interesting reading the reactions because I've actually seen very different evaluations of of Will Worth's performance. I know from Tulane fans on Twitter, a lot of people have looked at this and said, "Well, look, they have a, a brand new quarterback in who doesn't have a ton of experience coming into this year." Uh, he's not Keenan Reynolds, which I think is true, but he's a competent quarterback. He knows the system well. Like you said, he's a senior. How would you grade his performance last week? Um, I would think he did pretty well. Um, there were a couple plays, and if you watch the film, it's it's hard to tell what went wrong in some of them. Some of them, and you couldn't really tell whether he made a wrong read or if he or if there was a blown play and someone and one of the linemen ran and blocked the wrong guy or something. So some of those, it's hard to tell. He did make a couple of mistakes though, that might've come from a lack of experience. There was a fumble that UConn returned for a touchdown where in uh, the triple option, when you were in the mesh, when the, the quarterback and, and fullback mesh, 
when you're when the quarterback is reading his dive key, he has to make his decision on whether to give the ball to the fullback or or pull the ball out by the time the fullback reaches his hip. If he tries to read after the fullback crosses his hip, then it's going to cause a fumble, and that's exactly what happened there. So that kind of being able to make that decision and being confident in his re- confident enough in his read to make the right decision, that might be something that he can only pick up from game experience. Um, so I would say he did pretty well, but there are definitely a couple of things that, that a defense might be able to take advantage of because he's he doesn't have that game experience. Other weapons that Navy has in their arsenal. I think the the other one that really jumps off the page right now is fullback, junior fullback Chris High. He's been on a tear. I mean, he's averaging 12 point yards per carry. Uh, that's not bad. He has three touchdowns on 17 carries. Why has he been? I know he doesn't. He's not going to to be the primary ball carrier, uh, but he's been very effective when he's been in games and taking snaps. What has made him very effective, and what can defenses do to really stop what the fullback can do in this triple option? Well, it's really pick your poison. So if a full if a defense wants to stop the fullback, that's simply a matter of choice. You can just consistently give the quarterback a read to keep, and then the fullback will never get the ball. Your problem solved if you're worried about the fullback. But the danger of the option, obviously, is that it is pick your poison. If you, you can take the fullback out, but then you have to then someone else you're gonna leave something else open. So the the question I guess for a defense is who do you want to carry the ball? And I think in this case it might they might want Will Worth to get the ball just because he's the one thing in the offense that's an unproven commodity. You know that the, the slot backs are going to be able to run the ball. They usually have a very high average per carry. Um, you, you see you see the fullback like you said he's he's shown that he can he can has a little bit of of juice to be able to get up the field in a hurry too. So. Will Worth is the one guy that we're not sure about. So if the defense wants one guy to, to carry the ball, he's probably the, the one. But um, really, whoever you, you want to – if you're focused on stopping an individual, I'm not sure that's the best plan uh, just because, I mean, it's it's the, the option and, and you'll leave something open. Really, if you're going to defend this, you have to kind of forget – a lot of teams, when they practice against the triple option, they practice without a ball to make sure that everyone plays their assignments. And I think you kind of have to have, have that attitude when playing the offenses. You don't want one guy to get the ball because if he does, well, he can go ahead. <laughs> He'll, that, that's not necessarily a, a safe plan. Yeah, so, so we always come back to kind of the assignment football cliche anytime the option comes into play, right? But looking at one of those poisons, and, and just going back to Woolworth's performance for a second, uh, I will say that, you know, especially your point about him making the reads, I think that was the place where you could tell that he had some newness to him, that he was a little bit green. Uh, especially, I, I think that was a factor on the fumble recovery that UConn took back for a touchdown, uh, which really kind of started their, their comeback. There was another third and three that I'm thinking about in the second half when Navy was driving. Uh, but I will say it, it did seem like when he was passing, he has a lot of confidence throwing the football. I mean, he was he was attacking some tougher coverages. Do you feel like that is where his asset is a little bit more than maybe some Navy quarterbacks we've seen before? Or do you still see him as an extremely running-oriented quarterback? Well, they're all going to be running-oriented quarterbacks in, in this offense. Sure. Um, but, but Worth does have a better arm than Tago Smith. Um, it's just that 
in an option offense, you don't value that as much as, as you do some of the, the other attributes. But it is something that the coaches feel confident taking advantage of. And if you look at the nature of a lot of the Navy passing game, a lot of it is play action, and guys are just running wide open down the field if you catch the defense in, in the wrong kind of a, a stunt. Yep. So even a guy who can't throw the ball perfectly on target can still hit a guy that wide open. Now he's hit some pretty impressive passes too. Um, so he's shown the ability to get the ball to deliver the ball where he needs to. So I think the, the Navy coaches are, are, if the pass is there, I think, especially the way it was against Tulane last year in the game, I think they would be just as confident in Worth as any other Navy quarterback that we've had. So obviously, it's a new coaching staff for Tulane. We talked about the adjustment that the Tulane Matt made last year from the four-two-five. I mean, defensively, they've looked kind of similar in some ways, but they've executed much better. Do you expect? I mean, and 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 I guess the other factor that I would add to that is that Tulane's front is pretty good. I mean, Tendall Smart is a a first-team All AAC player. He's one of the better NFL prospects that the conference has. Um, there are some large bodies on our defensive line. What do you expect the adjustment to look like for Navy's offense to optimize to attack? What is a pretty solid run defense that they acknowledged last year? You know, it's, it's interesting. I'm not sure really what to expect out of Tulane because the only thing that I know is that it will look nothing like what happened when, when Navy played Georgia Southern the last time they faced this coaching staff um, just because Navy won that game pretty handily. Um, if you when you look if, if you're just looking on paper, like you said, Tulane has a great a great defensive front you know you have and you have and they have great linebackers too you know between marley and smart you know those are two all-conference guys that are coming back who ate navy's lunch last year and that was against one of the best navy offensive lines in history now all those guys graduated you have more you know the same a group of new starters all along the navy offensive line you'd figure that guys like like those would be able to to just to eat navy's lunch again so you might wonder if they'll try to make Navy throw the ball again, just figuring that if with guys like that up front, if you can, if you can get to the quarterback quickly, then, then you, then Navy's receivers won't have the time to get down enough time to get downfield to be able to do that much damage. The risk with that though, is that you risk giving you still do risk giving up a big play. If you don't get to the quarterback and, you're going to give up a couple that way. You just hope that your offense can score more than Navy does that way. And I'm not sure that, that they're confident enough in, I'm not sure that Tulane's coaches are confident enough in the offense yet to be able to, to commit to, to, to completely commit to making Navy throw like that. Cause even if Navy hits, you know, three big plays and they score 21 points, well, our, do, do we feel confident in, in in being able to get those points back? I don't know. So uh, if if you do feel confident in the offense, then make Navy throw. If you don't, then I'm not sure what they're going to do. So it, it's going to be interesting to see. I think this is a part that, that doesn't get enough love when talking about Navy as a team, especially last year. I mean, there was a lot of talent on the defense. I think a, a lot of that returns, particularly in the front. Looking at the defense, although I, I will say quick anecdote here, uh, I, you know, when Coach Fritz's name came up in the coaching search back in December, Michael was the first person to reach out and say, you know, hey, man, this is going to be a home run. He does really interesting things offensively. This is a dynamite hire for you guys. So it's a different version of the triple option. We've highlighted that difference already. 
from what you've seen in the tape so far, I mean, Tulane is using a lot of option concepts that Navy obviously also uses. You're going to have the pitch read being part of that. You have some of the same looks and in, in formations, even if it's coming out of the shotgun. How much of an advantage, because Navy obviously plays option teams every year in Army. They've played some other ones before, like Georgia Southern. How much of an advantage have you seen before with Navy's defense's preparation uh, from really facing a lot of these concepts in practice? Or is that not as much of a factor as you might think it is? Well, it cuts both ways. So Navy's defense has seen it before, but if they've, if the, that means that Tulane's offensive staff has seen what Navy, what Navy does too. So who gets an advantage from that? I'm not sure. Now, from an individual player's perspe- perspective, it helps from their technique because you know that you, you're teaching guys to, to get their eyes right, not go looking and, and chasing ghosts when they're looking for guys that they think have the ball but don't. You're not blowing your assignment. So getting those guys focused, playing their assignment, I think in that sense it helps. But that's the kind of thing where where everything that that Navy has learned about what Tulane does, Tulane can learn about what Navy's done. But watching the same film, looking back last week, the other question that jumped out at me about Navy's defense, and and this was was frankly pretty surprising because UConn UConn has been strong defensively. We talked about that. They've they've had good talent. It doesn't surprise me, especially because Coach Diaco is a defensive minded coach. They came, they brought some interesting looks, they did some interesting things on defense, and, and they enjoyed some success against this Navy offense. But on defense, not only did they come back 21 points, but, but Brian Sheriff's, uh, UConn's quarterback, passed for over 90% in this game. I think he went 23 for 26. Are there any nerves right now about the state of Navy's secondary? Is that a fluke? I mean, what do you feel like allowed uh, Sheriff's to find space and, and really execute pretty well, especially in that second half last week? Um, there is some concern because, and sure, it's not the first guy to do it either. I mean, Fordham threw for 300 yards on Navy the week before. Um, so I think going down the road, especially in this conference, there is some concern because, you know, we're going to have Houston coming in. We're going to have, we play in East Carolina, we playing Tulsa. And these are all teams that are going to be throwing the ball all over the place. Um, so there, there is some concern. And this particular game, I don't know if, if Tulane is really built to to take advantage in the same way. Um, you know, it's been a round robin at quarterback um, in, between between Cuyette and Bradwell and, and Brantley. You know, Cuyette and Brand, Bradwell were the ones who we thought were going to be duking it out at the beginning of the, the season. And now after a 100-yard game last week, Brantley gets the job. What that kind of tells me is that None of the three really have a grasp on the offense yet, so they're going with the guy that could at least have that that kind of X factor to make to improvise and make a play out of nothing. Um, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but none of them have really been able to to show that they can can throw the ball well enough to really take advantage of what Navy's given them in the secondary. Now I say that here in. September. I think Tulane's going to be a very different team when November comes around, when the offensive line kind of knows where where to go, when they finally settle on a quarterback and he gets in, he gets in a rhythm and offense. I think with the defense that Tulane has, the offense will only have to be average, and you're going to start seeing the wins happen. I don't know if they're there yet, though, to be able to to get the ball into Navy's secondary accurately enough to to do too much damage. And we're wondering the same thing. It's, and, and I've heard this since camp. I mean, the idea that Jonathan Brantley, who 
is a true freshman, just like Darius Bradwell. But Bradwell was a spring enrollee. He went through the spring game. He had the spring practices to learn the playbook. Uh, Brantley did the kind of the old school college football thing of like showing up in August and you get your playbook. The idea that he's now competed for the, and really, I mean, it, it's, I agree with you. I, I don't think there, anybody has stood out so squarely that you have to say, you know what, this is our guy. Uh, but I think the thing that, that really excites people about Brantley is he is a very athletic kid. He is a playmaker. His first play as quarterback in a college game, he set the rushing record for two lane quarterbacks, which is pretty wild. But I, I agree with you. I think the big question here is we know that there is a potential weakness or a vulnerability in that Navy secondary. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how much Fritz allows a very new quarterback to push that because I, I think there is an opportunity there. Uh, but that's always been the thing with Brantley is, you know, he doesn't have a lot of snaps he, at the college level. Uh, it's going to be interesting how much they, they really get aggressive there. But I think that's going to be a good storyline for Saturday. And especially behind the offensive line, too. You know, he gave up four sacks against against Wake Forest. They they didn't look too too good. Now, obviously, against Southern, that that whole you know everything went out the window. He scores sixty points, and and everything looks good. But whether you know, I do feel confident in saying that that Navy is a little bit better than Southern and should be <laughs> able to, to to put a little bit more pressure on that. So, freshman quarterback between behind an offensive line that that. Uh, that's been a little bit shaky at, at points so far. Um, you, you wonder if, if he's going to have enough time to get the ball downfield. Um, and I think, but given that if he is a runner and he can improvise and he can make plays and that makes him dangerous and you can, you can work with that. So I think that's probably why they're because of what Brantley showed last week. I think that's probably why they're, they're going with him in this game. And Michael, if you want to make this thing a shootout, we're cool with that. I mean, we watched a lot of seven points a game football for the past really 10 years. I mean, we can, we can live with a shootout situation. Uh, but yeah, I, I, think, I think that's going to be he, – he is going to be more elusive in the pocket. Uh, I, I think, honestly, Glenn Quillette uh, didn't do anything to, to you know, kind of quote-unquote lose the job, and I think we're definitely going to see him make some appearances in this game. But I, I think that's going to be the play here is to do something that is pretty aggressive, and, and that's definitely what Brantley – uh, brings to the table. Cool. Okay, Michael, I want to ask one more question before I let you go here. I really appreciate your time. Uh, you know, you've watched a ton of Navy. You've seen a little bit of this new look Tulane. Hit me with the prediction. What do you think goes down Saturday? Um, I don't know about, I, you don't usually like to, to make predictions just because until, unless I know what the, the defensive coordinator is going to do, I can't really tell how, how the, uh, how the Navy offense will respond. But what I will say is that I think you can make a lot of similar arguments on both sides here. I think Navy has shown, you know, they have a new offensive line and they're going up against a defensive front that is that that has already shown the ability to to look really good against this offense. Whereas the same thing with Tulane, you have an unsure an offense that's unsure of themselves going up against a defensive front that has seen option offenses and knows what to do. Um, in my instinct in this is that given the, the two similarities, I will go with the offense that's been doing what they've done longer and is more comfortable in what they do. And that's Navy. Um, but the, the, I do think it's going to be a little bit closer than, than what some might think. Um, I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be the highest scoring game in the world, um, but we'll have to, we'll have to see. 
real last question. I forgot about this. Are, are you making the trip or are you doing the soccer tournament this weekend? No, nope, I'm stuck on, on soccer duty. It's uh, which, you know, it's kind of fine. Now that I got this, the, the rivals gig, the weekends are kind of working now. And so I, I, I'm missing out on, on a lot of the, the kids soccer games. So unfortunately I will not make the trip. Uh, it coming over from Jacksonville. It's not that t- hard of a trip to get to New Orleans, but that's I um, ten, yeah. You got, I know. You got good waffle houses going down there too. That's the <laughs> that's the trip, man. <laughs> all the finest, all the finest waffle houses. But I, unfortunately, it won't make it this year. But it won't be long before I do get there. Well, Michael, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. I, I feel like I learned a lot about Navy. I'm sure everyone else did too. Uh, for anyone listening, I'll make sure to tweet this out. But that's Navy Bird Dog on Twitter. He is a critical follow for this week, uh, and also just for following any Navy football news, which is always interesting. Michael, thank you so much. Have a good one, okay? Thank you very much, and thanks for having me. All right, good luck this weekend. See you, Michael. All right, and that is going to be it for our show today. Thank you all for listening again. Big game coming up this weekend. I think Michael hit a lot of the key points for what both teams are wondering. How much can their offense really execute? What are they going to bring to the table? And and that's going to be a big point of contention, I think. But we do know both teams have strong defenses, so should be a good one, guys. Uh, I'll see you all at Yeoman Stadium on Saturday. Excited to be back for the first time in a while. Stay angry, my friends, and roll wave.